We want to welcome you to the Bible teaching ministry of Fellowship Bible Church, where our desire is to honor God by faithful obedience to His Word. If you want to understand the Bible better, please continue to listen as Pastor Matt Postiff explains and applies the biblical text one verse at a time. You can reach us with questions or for more teaching audio and print material at our website, fbcaa.org. You can also watch our services live at fbcaa.org slash live. We want to thank you for listening and pray that you will be edified. Join us now as Pastor Postiff opens God's Word. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. I want to welcome you into our Lord's Table service. We uh, apologize for being a little bit late this morning. Good to see you, brother, and you too, and you also. Thank you for singing so nicely this morning, and I trust that your heart reflected the meaning of those grand words and those hymns. I recognize it's been a while since, as a congregation, we've sung the song, Only a Sinner. Do you remember that song? Some of you are stretching back in your memories for that one. But I saw that in the hymnal yesterday, and I said, boy, we have got to sing that. Only a sinner saved by grace. Isn't that true? And we can just thank the Lord for what he has done. Before I begin, I just wanted to share that. Uh, I probably will share a little bit more about this maybe this evening, but I spent uh, Monday evening through Thursday evening in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, for business meetings with Gospel Mission of South America and uh, overcame one flight cancellation and several delays to make it home uh, just around the strike of midnight on Thursday night, so um, Friday morning. But I bring greetings to you from David Flink and from Tom and Debbie Gibbons uh, from those meetings. They wanted to be remembered to the church. I had delightful times with them as well as a number of others who I was able to spend time with. In fact, there were two men there that I I arrived from the airport into the home of Devin and Katie Raven, uh, one of the mission homes that I've stayed in many times since uh, over 20 years ago now, and uh, they've nicely remodeled that home. But um, I came to the home there, and they were having dinner. I I was uh, the second shift of dinner, cleanup. I batted cleanup. Uh, I couldn't quite clean it all up, though. There was a lot of food there. But uh, there were two men there that I didn't expect to see, and so it was just a delight to walk in and say, wow. You guys came. I had no idea. So uh, one of them was Dave Flink, the other, Pastor Bill Hickson from Ohio and Athens Bible Church. This morning, I want to turn our attention for a few moments before we share the elements of the Lord's table to this idea, the impossibility of salvation. Now, you know that's not true in the final analysis, but... I've shared this thought with you before, and I've expanded on it a little bit, uh, and I want to share it with you again this morning. In Job 9.2, for example, Job was looking at the circumstances surrounding the sinner's life, and he said, how can a man be right before God? And he left the question, you know, at least the way I've left it and read it, he just, it's just hanging out there for us to ponder for a moment and, and ask in Job 9.2. He says, Truly I know it is so, but how can a man be righteous before God? If one wished to contend with him, he could not answer him one time out of a thousand. That's a very poor batting average if you cannot answer God. How can a man be right before God? You think about your situation 
as you were before you were born again. How could you be made right before God? Job chapter 14 and verse number 4 uh, asks really another question. Who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean thing? And then the text answers, no one. So you think about yourself before you were saved, before what Christ did for you became known to you, and ask yourself, how could I have been made clean? Uh, Haggai 2, 12 to 14 gives a similar notion where the prophet is told by God to ask you know, the priest, if you have something holy and you touch something unholy, will that holiness transmit? No, it will not. But if you have something unclean and that touches the something else, will that tra- uncleanness transmit? Yes, it will. We are infected from head to toe with sin. Luke 18, 25 and 26, you don't have to turn to all these passages, but the scripture there tells us in Luke 18 about a rich young man who found it very difficult, the Lord's instructions, particularly for him, which had to do with the fact that uh, he was really covetous and he was holding on to his possessions. And um, it tells us here Jesus saying, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And those who heard it said, who then can be saved? Who then can be saved? And as I look out on the auditorium today, I will tell you that I see a bunch of rich people. Just frankly, you have houses and lands, cars, and many other things that you don't need. And food besides and clothing and all of that. We are wealthy people. How is it that we can be saved? if it's easier for the camel to go through the eye of a needle than for us to be saved. And then, of course, we know what the Lord said. I'll come to that in just a moment. Jeremiah 13, 23, the Bible tells us, gives us another likeness that we can use to remind ourselves of the impossibility of salvation. Jeremiah 13 and verse 23, Can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard its spots? See, these immutable characteristics of the thing which make it what they are. The skin color is just what you're stuck with. The spots on the leopard are what it's stuck with. You can't bleach them off. I'd like to see you try to uh, grab a leopard and uh, give it a bath and uh, give it some hair coloring. I don't think that would work. Uh, You cannot change. It's impossible. So you cannot change from, well, look at verse. uh, the rest of verse 23. If, if you could change those things, those immutable characteristics, then you may also do good who are accustomed to do evil. The evil is a spot like on the lives of the Jewish people in this context that they just couldn't get rid of. Matthew 5.48 tells us this. It says that you need to be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Is that possible? Man, you begin to get a a sense that uh, that's a kind of hopeless situation. Ephesians 2, 1 to 3, we are told that we were dead in our transgressions and sins. Most things are impossible for dead people, aren't they, to do. There's nothing they can really do about that. What about Judges 13, verse 22? This is a different one here, Uh, but you'll see how it fits. Judges 13 and verse 22, it says, uh, this is Manoah and his wife regarding the birth of Samson. 
and uh, they've seen the angel of the Lord. And Manoah says in verse 22, we shall surely die because we have seen God. We have seen God. So is it possible to see God and live? Is it possible to see God and live? How about Habakkuk 1.13? You are a God who cannot even look on sin. Does that give you hope that you're going to be able to waltz up before God and the pearly gates and say, hello, here I am. Thank you for welcoming me in. No, that's not how we be. That's not how we should be. Isaiah 64.6, our righteous acts are like filthy rags. It's not possible to please God. We can't appease him with our righteous acts as much as you might want to try. Romans 3, 10 and 11, all have sinned, the Bible tells us, and fall short of the glory of God. And uh, there's none who understands, there's none who seeks after God. And then down in verse number 19, it says, Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. You know, if you're about to say about your good works, but God, I stop. Thurman, hat tip to you for that stop, okay? Even though you didn't stop me. Oh, I see, I woke, I woke you up there. <laughs> stop. If you're going to try to reply back to God, he's going to say, look, the case is over. You're guilty. There is none righteous, no, not one. Uh, I, uh, let's see, Psalm uh, 89, 48. Psalm 89 and 48. What I'm doing here is just piling up the impossibilities here. This is actually number 11 on my list of impossibilities. 89.48. What man can live and not see death? Can he deliver his life from the power of the grave? Nope. And then there are a a collection of verses that I'll use uh, one of the minor prophets. Let's see if... The danger, of course, is uh, using the minor prophets. You have to find the minor prophets. <laughs> Nahum 1.6, it says, Who can stand before his indignation? And who can endure the fierceness of his anger? His fury is poured out like fire, and the rocks are thrown down by him. Similarly, Malachi 3.2 says, Who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand? When he appears, for he is like a refiner's fire and a launderer's soap. That's that's some uh, caustic soap there, isn't it? The judgment of God. Psalm 130, verse 3. If you, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? It's impossible to stand before God in your own righteousness. Revelation 6, 17. For the great day of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand? Again, the understood answer, nobody. It's impossible. So how do you get to heaven? It's impossible. How do you wash sin in your innermost being? It's, it's impossible. Sort of sounds like Ephesians 2.12. Ephesians 2.12, where Paul brings us to uh, the utter end of ourselves. Listen to this verse. At that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope 
and without God in the world. These things are naturally impossible. But supernaturally, there's something about that little prefix, supernaturally, that turns the impossible into the possible. Matthew 19, 26. With men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. God overcomes the impossibilities through the work of Christ by the Spirit, applied to the instrumentality of faith. How can a man be right before God? Well, in himself it's impossible, but in the gospel is revealed the righteousness of God, Romans 1.17. That's how a man can become righteous before God, to answer Job's question. How can a man become clean? Well, John 13.10 says, remember in the upper room discourse, the Lord said, if you've been bathed, you're totally clean, but you need to have your feet washed. He tells Peter, this is a picture, of course, of the cleansing work of Christ. 1 John 1.7 that tells us that uh, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. How can a man be clean? By the cleansing blood of Christ. Uh, what about, we asked uh, number, uh, number three about entering the kingdom of God and being saved, that that was impossible, especially for those that have wealth and riches. But John chapter 3, verse 3 says, indeed, it is impossible unless a man is born again. Then he can enter into the kingdom of God. How can a man change his basic character? How can a woman change her character? How can a young person change her spots? Can a young man change his basic immutable characteristic of sin? Well, 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us that we are new creatures in Christ. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's the supernatural work of God in salvation. I mentioned, too, about um, Matthew 5.48, where the Lord said you have to be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. And you say, well, how, how in the world could that ever happen? Well, listen to the, the apostolic ministry, and this is the ministry of the church. It speaks of Christ we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. That's how you are able to be perfect before God. And Paul's ministry was, in the end, to transform people who were dead in sin to alive in Christ and beyond that to blameless before the throne of grace, 1 Thessalonians 3, 13 and 5, 23, tell us as much. You were dead in sin, and that made things impossible, but God, Ephesians 2, 4 through 7, made you alive in Him, having forgiven you all trespasses and made put you into Christ. Now, that other one, that one that I said it was a little bit different about Manoah, and those others who uh, despaired of seeing God and living? Well, in John 14, 9 and 10, it tells us something very interesting. In the, again, in the upper room, John 14, 9, Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, speaking to Philip, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? And then in Revelation 22, 3, it says, And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve or worship Him. They shall see His face, 
and his name shall be on their foreheads. So who can see God and live? The natural answer, nobody. The supernatural answer, God makes it so, perfects us, makes us blameless, causes us to be alive in Christ and allows us to see him and live. Now what about that pesky problem of looking on sin? Nahum 1.6, God cannot look on. Uh, sorry, that, wasn't, that was Habakkuk I uh, alluded to, Habakkuk 1.13. How can God look on sin? Well, he cleanses it. He washes it away. He places it under the blood of Christ. And then in Isaiah 61.10, it says, You have clothed me with the robe of righteousness. You're hidden inside the righteousness of Christ when you come to faith in him. And so your sin is washed, cleansed, and put away before the eyes of God. You might wonder, well, what about those righteous acts that are as filthy rags? Well, Romans 5 tells us that just as there was one man who sinned and plunged the whole race into the curse, there was also one man who did a righteous act, living but then dying, and particularly dying the death to pay for your sins so that he could provide the gift of salvation. And God looks upon that act. That's not an act of a filthy rag. That's an act of a pure, clean servant of God who deserved no punishment for his sin, yet he took it upon himself for others. The same dismal situation that makes every single human guilty before God also puts people in a place where they can be freely justified by his grace. Romans 3.24, because we're hopeless, the only hope is God's grace. And so that pushes us to his grace and away from the whole notion of works in order to attain salvation. And then what about the uh, problem that we mentioned, uh, which was uh, in uh, Psalm 89:48, how to avoid the Sheol and, and escape the grave? Well, resurrection is the solution to that problem. Job 19 told us that he uh, expected to see God with his, fate, with his own eyes and his, from the standpoint of his own flesh. 1 Thessalonians 4.15 talks about the resurrection and the rapture of the church, the glorious hope and the great hope of the church is Titus 2.13, that glorious coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and he will come and resurrect us. And so we will have victory over the grave, although we'll have to go through it unless we remain alive until he comes. And then finally, one other impossible situation, how can we stand before God? Well... Listen to this, Romans 14, verse 4. Who are you to judge another servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. 1 Peter 5, 12 says, This is the true grace of God in which you stand. Stand fast in it. And then Colossians 4.12, Epiphras is praying there that you would stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. So there is an answer to those impossible things, only because of what Christ has done, our Lord and Savior. So as we come to the table to remember him today, remember those things. The impossible became possible. However, there are still four impossible things. 
If you reject Christ, Hebrews 6, 4 says, it's impossible for you to be renewed to repentance. Hebrews 6, 18 says, it's impossible for God to lie. So if he promises salvation to all who believe, he cannot become untrue to that promise. Thirdly, the third impossible thing that remains impossible is that it's impossible for animal sacrifices to take away sins, Hebrews 10, 4. Romans 8.3 says it's impossible for law-keeping to save your sin problem. And then number four, the fourth item that remains impossible, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Hebrews 11.6. Our hope is in the Lord, my friends. There's no other, there's no other hope that we have. And so as we come to the table to remember that the Lord took the impossible and made it possible. But yet there remains those impossibilities, primary among them without faith. It is impossible to please God. So let us come to the table in faith, believing in the Lord Jesus that he's able to wash us from our sins. We have believed that. We take of the elements of the table to thank him that he has done that. Maybe you're here today and you say, I'm not sure if my sins are washed away. Well, that's easy enough to solve. It's not impossible anymore. When you look at it, you realize Jesus died for me, and he rose again. He gave himself in my place so that I could have eternal life. And the response is simple. Turn away from your sin, and so turning, turn to Jesus, and he will save you. Become a follower of Christ, and he will gladly receive you into his kingdom. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful to you for the opportunity we've had to think of the word this morning just for a few moments. Help us to rejoice in thanksgiving for what you have done to turn the impossible situation to the possible. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen.